0: Good evening and welcome to NTD News. I'm Stephanie Cox, here are today's top stories. Gas prices aren't falling fast enough to evade pressure from the Biden administration and lawmakers on Capitol Hill. We'll look at their plan of action to deal with the elevated cost at the pump. U.S. troops are deployed near Ukraine to reinforce NATO allies and give continued support to Ukrainian forces. And today, the Secretary of Defense and the Secretary of State both called out Putin for his alleged war crimes against civilians. The DOJ charges five men with stalking and harassing Chinese dissidents. One of the dissidents is a U.S. citizen and congressional candidate. The defendants are accused of acting as Chinese secret police. Another Chinese firm is banned as the FCC revokes authorization for Pacific networks. It's part of a crackdown on Chinese telecom companies over national security concerns. The world's largest St. Patrick's Day parade is back. Capacity, mask and vaccination restrictions gone. Our reporter was there. (music) Oil prices are falling, but gas prices aren't dropping in tandem. The Biden administration and Democrats on Capitol Hill today are ramping up pressure on oil companies to produce more and quickly pass on these price drops to consumers. Here's NTD's Melina Wisecup with the administration's plan to deal with these high prices.
1: The price of oil is hovering around $100 per barrel. That's lower than a week ago. But the price of the pump is only trickling down by the penny. President Biden and Democrats have referred to the price increase as the Putin price hike, although prices were rising before the war broke out. Now Democrats are unifying under another message. Oil producers are the problem. You know,
0: there is concern about whether there is profiteering happening at the gas station level as well as at the oil company
2: level.
1: And on Capitol Hill, Democrats are following the administration's footsteps, now preparing to put oil producers under the microscope.
2: Over the past few days the price of crude has actually gone down but the average price of a gallon is still stuck at nearly $4.30. If anyone thinks this is fair, efficient or sensible, they're probably an oil executive.
1: Oil producers say there's a lag for gasoline prices to follow the drop of crude oil prices. Congress is calling on CEOs from oil and gas companies to answer questions in a hearing. In the meantime, the Biden administration is asking companies to produce more while assuring Americans that Biden's green energy policy is still being worked on in the background.
0: I think Americans should see the administration calling right now for an increase in supply as something that helps them. And that's what it's increased supply at home and increased supply around the world so that we can reduce the cost at the pump. But ultimately, the administration's goal is not to have us be so reliant on volatile sources of energy like fossil fuels.
1: House Speaker Nancy Pelosi today hinted that Congress could take action to cancel oil companies' federal leases unless they're actively drilling.
3: If they want to drill, they have places to drill. Use it or lose it. Let somebody else uh, drill there.
1: So the strategy that we're seeing from the White House and from the congressional leadership here is to try to shift the focus away from President Biden's energy policies and focus more on the role that the oil producers have in these high prices. Reporting in Washington, D.C., Melina Weiskopf, NTD News.
0: Gas prices continue to climb on the daily, but lawmakers can't seem to agree on a solution. Earlier this week, California state lawmakers voted down a bill that aimed to suspend the 51-cent per gallon gas tax. But now, a group of lawmakers say they have a better proposal, a gas rebate. NTD Cynthia Kai brings us more on the new proposal.
4: A group of Democratic Assembly members announced a new gas rebate proposal on the steps of the state capitol building on Thursday morning.
5: We are here today to announce a proposal to deliver a $400 gas rebate for California taxpayers. To put that into context, for most vehicles, for most Californians, this $400 rebate is equivalent to a one-year gas tax holiday.
4: To give more context, as of Thursday, California's average gas prices set at $5.78 per gallon. A $400 rebate could fully fill up your tank four to five times, depending on model and size. Funding for the proposal would pull $9 billion out of the state's budget. What's more is that rebates would also go to taxpayers who don't own or drive a car.
6: And it'll go far in helping with price increases, not only at the pump, but at the grocery store and on our utility bills. Californians are hurting and they need relief.
4: The assembly members said this is just the first step in helping California residents.
7: This is not going to be the only proposal on the table. This is not the only thing that we're going to be able to do with our surplus. The size and scale of the surplus, I think uh, Assemblymember Mullen said it's defined gravity at some point, which I thought was, was apt. We, we are going to have a lot of options in front of us.
4: While Republican lawmakers showed support for the proposal, they added that while this is a start, Republicans will still work to suspend the gas tax and stop upcoming increases. Democrats have resisted calls to scrapping the gas tax. In January, Governor Gavin Newsom called for suspending a planned increase in the gas tax in July. But even then, some key Democrats opposed that effort. Cynthia Kai, NTD News, California.
0: An energy watchdog is warning of the biggest oil supply crisis in decades. What does it mean for the economy and gas prices? NTD's Evelyn Lee spoke to an expert. Three million barrels per day, that's how much is at risk in the oil market because of
5: Russian sanctions and buyer reluctance. The International Energy Agency, or IEA, said Wednesday that those disruptions are threatening to create a global oil supply
8: shock. It doesn't look good when you lose that much oil from the, the Russian sanctions. It's uh, approximately 700,000 barrels that won't be uh, imported into the United States anymore.
5: Jason Isaac, the director of LifePowered at the Texas Public Policy Foundation, says it could drive costs even higher. The IEA expects this to depress global economic growth. Because of this, it lowered its forecasts for world oil demand. But that won't be enough to balance the lost supply from Russia. Isaac says for the U.S. economy to recover, it needs to return to levels of production that it saw under the previous administration. He does see the U.S. slowly but surely increasing production. And at the moment, Europe is much more dependent on Russian natural gas.
8: Europe is entirely dependent on Russian natural gas. Germany, 40 percent of their natural gas comes from Russia. They're not disconnecting that pipeline. They're not going to cut off uh, that supply. They just can't.
5: He says Germany's cost for electricity is up 60 percent, and freezing deaths are on the rise. In the meantime, high oil prices lifted other fuel prices as well. That includes natural gas and coal. To counter that, the U.S. is releasing 30 million barrels of crude oil from its reserves. But Isaac says these releases won't be significant at all.
8: You may see a couple of pennies at the pump relief one week, and then you're going to see it probably back up a nickel the next week. Uh, So those are insignificant.
5: According to the U.S. Energy Information Administration, last year, the U.S. consumed almost 20 million barrels of crude oil a day. Isaac says he hopes OPEC will increase production to offset what will be lost from Russian sanctions. Evelyn Lee, NTD
0: News. The United States has deployed additional U.S. forces to reinforce its NATO allies. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin said there are more troops on call and ready to go if NATO activates its response forces. And TD's Jason Perry has the story. For the first time
7: in 20 years, the United States secretary of defense visited the defense minister of NATO
9: ally Slovakia. Secretary Lloyd Austin said it's a critical moment for European security. And I commend Slovakia for its contributions to NATO, for the humanitarian and military assistance that you provided to Ukraine, and for the generosity that you've shown to the innocent refugees fleeing Putin's war of choice. Austin also mentioned that Ukrainian forces have prevented
7: Russia from establishing air supremacy over Ukraine, which can be a deciding factor to
9: winning a war. They've done that through effective use of uh, uh, air defense systems, uh, both uh, medium range and and short range air defense systems. And so our goal has has been to uh, continue to uh, reinforce uh, those things that have worked for, for the Ukrainian forces. Slovakia's
7: defense minister stepped up to the plate and said he's willing to give his country's strategic air defense system, the S-300, to Ukrainian forces. But he won't do so unless he has a proper replacement.
9: We've also uh, stated that uh, enforcing a no-fly zone actually means that, uh, that you're, in, you're in combat, you're, you're in, a, in, a, uh, in a fight with Russia. And that's one of the things that uh, we, have, uh, we have said that uh, our president has said that we weren't going to do, get in, get in a fight with Russia.
7: Austin said the cruise missiles fired by the Russians were shot from inside of Russia, so a no-fly zone over Ukraine wouldn't have prevented them. Austin then called upon Putin to not target civilians. And Secretary of State Antony Blinken also addressed war crimes committed by Russian forces. Russia continues
8: to attack civilian sites, including this week alone. A hospital, three schools, a boarding school for visually impaired kids uh, in the Luhansk region of Ukraine. <clears throat> Yesterday, Russian forces bombed a theater in Mariupol where hundreds of people had been taking shelter. Blinken said experts
7: are in the process of documenting and evaluating potential war crimes being committed in Ukraine. And he hopes the findings will help the international community hold those responsible accountable. Jason Perry, NTD News.
0: NTD reporter Dan Skorbak is on the ground in Lviv, Ukraine. Looking from the outside, one may not guess the country is in a war. Dan spoke to the residents of Lviv to get a better feel of the hearts and minds of the western Ukrainian city.
10: 400 miles away from here, the shelling and the gunfire continues. Although it's peaceful here in Lviv, the locals are definitely feeling the effects of war. Every
11: morning we wake up with fear. Every morning we see how many people are dying. All our cities are bombed.
7: Of course, the situation is unpleasant. At the moment, our western region is not very affected. We are in a deep rear, but the challenge is from the prime minister and influential people. They appeal to support the soldiers. The economy must work. Support the soldiers. War is always sad. People are fleeing their homes. Lviv residents are as happy, friendly and happy to receive all people. Most people are ready to help, to support everyone. Lviv is like the second capital of Ukraine, like the heart of Ukraine.
11: Now our life has stopped. There are no revolutions that were before. We see less with relatives. We work harder at home. There is no opportunity to develop. We work more. We can't travel. And all that remains is to help our loved ones, to help people from the East, and to hope for our victory, to believe in it.
10: Ukraine's minister of film, Marina Kudarchup, told us that in places occupied by the Russians, the Russian soldiers hide their military equipment between residential homes.
12: Last week, my dad stepped outside and the tank was in front of his house, or my mom told me they were walking on the street and the tanks are driving on the road.
10: The minister says. People like her parents are not being allowed to leave. Even when humanitarian corridors are arranged, they are mainly made in places that are under heavy gunfire.
12: People like my parents, they don't want to leave their homes. They say that if anything happens, it's better that it happens at home. It's hard to hear that, but you can't do anything about it. They live their whole lives there, and to leave someplace unknown is more stressful for them than living under the war.
10: Although Minister Guru cannot do much for her parents right now, she's helping the Ukrainian film industry show the tragedy of war on the international stage. And like all ministers of Ukraine, she remains in the country, working seven days a week, just like President Zelensky.
12: The president inspires all of us to work hard, to hang on. He's an example of power and courage to all of us.
10: Many people who we talk to on the streets, including the minister, agreed that this war is creating unity within the nation and a stronger Ukrainian identity. Dan Skorback, NTD News, Lviv, Ukraine.
0: A New York congressional candidate, a California-based artist, and the father of an Olympic figure skater, all alleged victims of an espionage scheme by the Chinese Communist Party. The Department of Justice has announced charges against five men. NTD's Chenny Wu has the story. The U.S. Justice Department announced charges on Wednesday
13: against five men accused of stalking and harassing Chinese dissidents in the United States on behalf of the Chinese Communist Party. The defendants were allegedly acting as agents of the Chinese secret police, engaged in transnational repression schemes with China's Ministry of State Security, or MSS. Three of the defendants have been arrested, but the others remain at large, The alleged victims include a candidate for Congress in New York, a California-based artist, and the father of an Olympic figure skater. They weren't named in the complaint, but the description of the congressional candidate matches that of Yan Xiong, a Brooklyn resident. The DOJ detailed three separate schemes. In one of them, defendant, Chi Minh Lin, allegedly hired a private investigator in New York to disrupt Xiong's campaign. Xiong had been a student leader of the pro-democracy demonstrations in Tiananmen Square in 1989. He later escaped to the United States, served in the military, and became a U.S. citizen. When hiring the private investigator, Lin explained that he and those whom he was working for did not want Xiong to be elected to Congress. Lin emphasized that whatever price is fine, as long as you can do it. Lin allegedly first asked the investigator to provide Xiong's phone number and address. He then asked the investigator to unearth derogatory information about Xiong or if no such information could be found, to manufacture some, including by creating a scandal involving a prostitute. Later, Lin also asked the investigator to consider physically attacking him. In a voice message to the investigator, Lin stated, you can start thinking now, aside from violence, what other plans are there? But in the end, violence would be fine too. Beat him, beat him until he can no longer run for election. You think about it, car accident, he will be completely wrecked, right?
8: As these cases show, the MSS has been targeting pro-democracy activists living in the United States with harassment and smear campaigns, spying on them to help the PRC government target them for arrest.
13: The Chinese Foreign Ministry on Thursday denied having carried out schemes targeting Chinese dissidents overseas, calling the allegations slander. The cases underscore what American officials describe as increasingly aggressive efforts by the Chinese regime to seek out, silence, and threaten pro-democracy activists abroad. Back to you,
0: Steph. Thanks, Chenny. And we spoke with Yan. He said that what the Chinese regime did has no impact on him, that it, in fact, makes him want to work harder in the fight for democracy, and that the American people and the U.S. Constitution are protecting him. And Empire actor Jussie Smollett has been released from jail after just six days behind bars. He was released last night after an appeals court ruled he could go free while his conviction appeal is pending. Smollett was found guilty in December of staging a hate crime against himself. Smollett was sentenced to five months in prison on March 10th. He was convicted on five counts of felony disorderly conduct for lying to police. Since his imprisonment, Smollett's family has been pleading for him to be freed. Smollett's lawyers filed an emergency motion on Monday to postpone his sentence while they appeal. His attorneys argued that Smollett's sentence would likely be over by the time the appeal process was completed, and that Smollett could be in physical danger if he remained in prison. Two out of three judges agreed to the actor's release and he was let out of Cook County Detention Center in Chicago at around 8 p.m. local time. Under the terms of Smollett's bond, he doesn't have to pay up unless he skips his court dates. Law enforcement officers in Florida have arrested over 100 people in an undercover sting targeting human traffickers, prostitutes and child predators. Among them are several Disney employees and a county judge. NTD's Allison Lee has the details.
14: Thank you for being with me today.
15: The Polk County Sheriff's Office in Florida arrested 108 people in a six-day undercover operation that went after human traffickers, prostitutes, and child predators. The suspects they arrested include four child predators and one human trafficker. One of the child predators they arrested was 27-year-old Xavier Jackson.
14: Where he was charged with three counts of harmful material and one count of unlawful communication oh did i mention that he just happens to be a lifeguard at the polynesian resort for disney you think there's a few children around there
15: Law enforcement were seeking out people who posted online ads for prostitution and their customers. Undercover detectives also posed as underage girls online. Another Disney employee they arrested was 24-year-old Wilkison Fidel.
14: He thought he was coming for sex. He's been a Disney employee for four years, and he works at the Cosmic Restaurant in Tomorrowland, except now he is in the county jail, if he hasn't made bond yet.
15: The sheriff identified two other suspects as Disney employees, 27-year-old software developer Shubham Malav from India and 45-year-old IT employee Ralph Lees. Disney confirmed that Lees, Fidel, and Jackson have been placed on unpaid leave, but said that Malav is not an employee.
14: So I'm sure Disney's not pleased. I bet his wife's not pleased, but we're pleased that we arrested him.
15: The human trafficking suspect they arrested was 32-year-old Tiffany Nash, the manager of a KFC in Orlando. And one of the men they arrested for soliciting a prostitute was 66-year-old Daniel Peters, a retired county judge from Illinois. Sheriff Grady Judd says the arrests make this whole operation worthwhile and that where there is prostitution, there is exploitation, disease, dysfunction, and broken families. Allison Lee, and TD News.
0: Mortgage rates topping 4% for the first time since 2019. So it's more expensive now to buy that dream home. Mortgage rates are up about a quarter percentage point since last week. That just happens to be what the Fed hiked its key interest rate by yesterday. The federal funds rate and mortgage rates aren't directly connected, but when the Fed raises rates, every other rate tends to follow. All eyes now on the U.S. housing market, which has been red hot during the pandemic. Thanks in large part to historically low mortgage rates. So can high home prices withstand higher rates. Builders don't seem convinced. Homebuilder sentiment is at six-month lows. And up next, the world's largest St. Patrick's Day parade is back. Capacity, mask and vaccination restrictions gone. Our reporter was on the ground some call the most exciting three weeks in sports the winners and losers from the first round as march madness begins all that and more coming up on mtd news president biden has been attending several irish related events since last night But his original plans got scrambled after the visiting Irish Prime Minister tested positive for COVID-19.
8: President Biden on Thursday met with Irish Prime Minister Michael Martin. The two leaders met virtually after Martin tested positive for COVID-19. During a video call at a Capitol luncheon, Biden highlighted the similarities between the U.S. and Ireland. You know, they're values that uh, immigrants from Ireland brought, but, as I said, they're they're not only Irish values, they're values, I think, of the vast majority of immigrants who come to the United States. Martin learned he had tested positive for COVID Wednesday evening while attending an event with Biden and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. All three leaders are vaccinated and boosted.
0: The St. Patrick's Day Parade in New York City made a full fledged comeback today after two years of pandemic restrictions. The event fell on a rainy day, but smiles and spirits were still high. NTD's Arian Pasdar was at the parade.
16: The world's largest St. Patrick's Day Parade is back right here in New York City. It's the first parade after three years, and there are no COVID restrictions at all. Guys, how do you feel? Shamrocks, bagpipes and everything else Irish. That's St. Patrick's Day in New York City. New
1: York, we love you and happy St. Patrick's Day. Go green!
16: Besides traditional Irish culture, the parade also included service members and much more. So what do the Irish think about New York's parade? You come literally from ireland now you're in new york city on saint patrick's day is it what you hoped it to be or
6: it's better bigger it's more and it's particularly the pandemic we just come from it's after you. fantastic it's great to be irish today
16: they of course passed by saint patrick's cathedral where the morning mass was held before the parade kicked off it wasn't just the irish who traveled here
13: we came from austin texas and it's definitely worth it don't you guys think it was worth it
16: And the locals also appreciated having an event like this after two years of lockdowns.
14: With all the suffering going on in the world today. to have a day like today to just see people together and really, you know.
7: To laugh, to have fun, have some joy. It's really nice Uh, have Irish uh, heritage uh, back and the city to be open again.
16: New York City's St. Patrick's Day Parade is one of the oldest non-military parades in the world. Although today's been a bit rainy here, visitors seem to have fun enjoying live music, dancing and more. Ariane Pastar, NTD News, New York.
0: March Madness is officially in full swing. The first round of the NCAA tournament started today with eight games this afternoon. NTD's David Martin has more.
8: The NCAA tournament's one-and-done format normally makes for unpredictable results, although this afternoon's games went mostly as planned. In the South region... Michigan erased a 15-point first-half deficit to beat Colorado State 75-63. The 11-seeded Wolverines, coached by former NBA great Juwan Howard, outscored the Rams by 19 in the second half to complete the comeback. Third-seeded Tennessee rolled to an 88-56 win over Longwood. The Volunteers had built a 25-point lead by halftime and coasted through the second half in a game that was never really close. Tennessee will play Michigan on Saturday. In the Midwest, Providence upended 13-seed South Dakota State, 66-57, in a defensive struggle. Both teams shot less than 40% from the floor. Meanwhile, 12-seeded Richmond pulled off the upset of the afternoon, topping the number 5 seed Iowa, 67-63, in a thriller that went down to the final seconds. Richmond led most of the second half before Iowa cut it to two, twice in the final 30 seconds before prevailing. Richmond will play Providence in the second round. In the west region, Memphis topped Boise State 64-53. The Tigers led by as many as 19 points before the Broncos made their comeback, cutting the lead to five late before losing. Memphis will play the winner of the Gonzaga-Georgia State game. Finally, in the east region, the defending champion and top seed Baylor Bears down to Norfolk State 85-49. Baylor was already up by 16 at halftime before blowing out the Spartans in the second half. The Bears will play the winner of the North Carolina Marquette matchup. Dave Martin, NTD News.
0: A Moscow court has extended the arrest of WNBA star Brittany Griner until May 19th. That's according to Russian state news agency TASS. Russian authorities say the two-time Olympic gold medalist was arrested on allegations of drug smuggling at a Moscow airport. Congressman Colin Allred from Texas said Griner was arrested on February 17th. Allred told ESPN earlier this month that Griner had not been granted consular access, a condition he called really unusual. TASS News also reported that a representative of Moscow's Public Monitoring Commission, which observes the treatment of prisoners, said the U.S. consul hasn't visited Greiner. Greiner is a seven-time WNBA All-Star with the Phoenix Mercury. She plays in Russia during the off-season. The WNBA season starts May 6th. And Penn swimmer Leah Thomas, a biological male swimming for the women's team, won the 500-yard freestyle final at the NCAA Championships today. Thomas, who is now a senior, Formerly swam for the men's team at Penn as Will Thomas. Last month, a group sent a letter to the uni- university and the Ivy League asking them to refrain from any litigation that would allow Thomas to race at NCAA events. The group included 16 members of Penn's women's swim team. They cited Thomas' biological advantage. Thomas's rankings jumped from number 462 as a male to number 1 as a female coming up, so-called drinkable sunscreen is off the markets in California. That's after the state's attorney general took the product off the market during an investigation. And Chick-fil-A's long drive-through lines are ruffling some feathers in California. One location is so successful that it may be close to being labeled a public nuisance. And TD News will bring you more when we return. Update to a story from New York we reported on yesterday. A man who was imprisoned for 50 years for killing two police officers is set to speak at an event at SUNY Brockport, a public college. Now, the school is distancing itself from the event after criticism from its own students. The school's event page describes the speaker as a political prisoner who will speak about black liberation. The webpage for the event originally said it will be partially funded by a grant of their Office of Equity, Diversity and Inclusion. Now this funding has been removed and the college added a disclaimer to the event description saying they do not endorse the characterization of the event. The changes were reportedly made after backlash from students and lawmakers who objected to having a cop killer as a speaker on campus. The event is still scheduled to take place on April 6th. And California may be seeing another wave of unseasonably warm temperatures next week. Reports suggest an early spring heat wave.
6: Meteorologists predict that temperatures in the coming week are likely to enter the 80s, indicated by areas in red. Although it may not be as severe as previous heat waves during the summertime, temperatures may be above normal for this time of the year. On top of the heat, there's a 40-60% to chance that precipitation levels will be below normal in California. The National Weather Service said a lot riding on the Saturday rainfall forecast to at least keep the start of fire season in check. Climate scientist Daniel Swain wrote, A significant statewide early season heat wave is possible next week, with at least some daily record highs possible. This will further accelerate vegetation drying and mountain snowmelt. He said the next two weeks are looking drier in the state.
0: Here's a question. When you hear drinkable sunscreen, how do you think it works? Well, in California, a settlement came out against a company marketing just that product. Here's the case and how the sunscreen was supposed to work.
17: California's attorney general announced a judgment against drinkable sunscreen as one Southern California company labeled the product. After an investigation, AG Rob Bonda said the company engaged in deceptive advertising and other legal violations. Irvine-based UVO claimed its product, when ingested, would protect the users from the sun's harmful rays. The potential settlement is against a product called UVO Sun Protectant. The company marketed it as a mixture of vitamins and dietary supplements. In advertising materials, UVO claimed the drink would protect users from the sun's rays once ingested. UVO said their product is the first drinkable supplement to provide sun protection. And, if you drink UVO, you will have baseline protection that will help minimize the likelihood of burning, even if you don't use sunscreen. Fanta's office said in a statement, there is no evidence that alternative sunscreen products like UVO's so called drinkable sunscreen provide protection. You've got to wear your sunscreen, not drink it. He cited that skin cancer is the most common form of the disease in the United States, which comes from sun exposure. UVO was fined and must provide written notices of sales of any similar products in the future.
0: Sometimes it's it's hard to be too good at what you do. That's starting to become the case for fast food chain Chick-fil-A. Some cities are starting to point fingers at the restaurants for creating long lines of drive through customers spilling onto public roads.
4: Santa Barbara's sole Chick-fil-A restaurant is finding itself to be a victim of its own success. The Santa Barbara location opened in 2013 and has since drawn a steady flow of patrons. The drive through lines are now so long that they spill into the public roadway. City officials said in a recent report that the restaurant's long lines blocked traffic and called the restaurant a public nuisance. According to the City Traffic Report, Chick fil A's drive through lane heightens the odds of traffic collisions. At peak volume, the drive through blocks one lane of traffic for as much as an hour and a half on weekdays and for as much as two and a half hours on Saturdays. Councilmember Kristen Sneddon told the Santa Barbara News Press that she believes the restaurant has a good problem but may have outgrown the location. That success is reflected in the long drive through lanes at Chick fil A locations around the country. In a 2019 study, Quick Service Restaurant Trade Pub QSR listed Chick-fil-A as having the busiest drive-thru windows of any national chain. At the city council session, city council members unanimously approved moving forward a potential public nuisance designation. But Chick-fil-A representatives asked the council to delay the motion and give it additional time to work on fixing the problem. The council agreed to continue a public hearing until June 7th. Meanwhile, in Norwalk, Connecticut, Chick-fil-A is proposing to get rid of an existing drive through and rebuild it on the other side of the building to ease traffic backups.
0: With tax day quickly approaching, many people are wondering whether they have to report their cryptocurrency on their tax returns and how to do it. NTD's Phil Zoe has the details.
6: Tax Day is coming up next month on April 18th. And Uncle Sam wants to know just how much crypto you're trading.
18: U.S. taxpayers are going to see on Form 1040 the major tax form that almost every U.S. taxpayer has to, to uh, fill out. They're going to be asked at any time during 2021, did they receive, sell, exchange, or otherwise just dispose of any financial interest in any virtual currency? And they'll have to either say yes or no.
6: I spoke to Chandan Loda, the co-founder of CoinTracker a software package that helps you calculate crypto taxes and track your portfolio. It's
18: the first question after people's demographic information.
6: So under what conditions will you have to check yes?
18: People have spent any cryptocurrency in exchange for goods or services, traded cryptocurrency and cashed out for fiat like USD, or traded crypto to crypto like Bitcoin to Ethereum. In addition, you're going to want to fill out a capital gains form like an 8949 to indicate all of the capital gains and losses that you had during that tax year.
6: Patrick White of the crypto accounting platform BitWave agrees. If you have touch digital assets,
8: you should check that, that box. It's always check it if you have any sort of cryptocurrency uh, exchange accounts. Now, where it gets very interesting is it's not always obvious what exactly that means.
6: President Biden just signed an executive order asking government agencies to look into the risks and benefits of cryptocurrency. The White House said about 16 percent of Americans, or roughly 40 million people, have invested, traded or used cryptocurrency. Phil Zhou, NTD News.
0: Coming up, another Chinese firm banned from providing U.S. services. The FCC revoked authorization for the company Pacific Networks. It's part of a crackdown on Chinese telecom companies over national security concerns. And we'll be hearing from an economist about cutting ties with Russia. Is it actually hurting the Kremlin or is it just gesture politics? Find out more in just a moment here on NTD News. Another Chinese telecom company blocked from the American market. The FCC banned telecom provider Pacific Networks from offering services in the U.S., citing national security concerns. NTD's Tiffany Meyer has more with China In Focus.
11: Another Chinese company is getting kicked out of the U.S. The Federal Communications, or FCC, voted on Wednesday to revoke authorization for Chinese telecom Pacific Networks, including its subsidiary ComNet. That ruling means the company can no longer provide telecom services in the U.S. The FCC says Pacific Networks is controlled by CITIC Group, a Chinese state-owned company, and that ownership raises national security concerns. Jeffrey Carlisle, a lawyer representing Pacific Networks, denied that accusation, saying that Chinese carriers engage in very limited operations in the United States, and noted there the primary business is providing retail calling cards. The Chinese Commerce Ministry labeled the U.S. crackdown as groundless, adding that China would take measures necessary to safeguard the rights of its firms. But FCC Commissioner Jeffrey Starks noted the move has strengthened America's national security. Washington started taking action on Chinese telecom companies three years ago when the FCC rejected China Mobile's bid to provide U.S. telecom services in 2019. Last October, the FCC revoked U.S. authorization for China Telecom, another state-run company. And this January, the FCC voted to resend those same permissions for China Unicom, also citing national security concerns. And in what could be a historic development, Saudi Arabia is reportedly in talks to sell oil to China in a transaction that would be made in Chinese currency, the yuan. That's according to The Wall Street Journal, citing people familiar with the matter. Since the 1970s, the Saudis have only sold oil in exchange for American dollars. The deal allowed the U.S. dollar to remain the world's reserve currency. Today, 80% of the world's oil is traded for U.S. dollars. But dollar inflation is a problem for Saudi Arabia. Just like it now costs shoppers more dollars to buy products at the store, Saudi Arabia's U.S. debt holdings are now worthless and still falling. It's also not an ideal circumstance for China because Beijing can't print dollars to buy oil like the U.S. can. China now buys 25 percent of Saudi Arabia's oil, and that number is rising. In comparison, the U.S. is only buying a fraction of the amount it did in the 1990s. The Wall Street Journal article argued that if Saudi Arabia does use yuan to settle oil sales, it could potentially dent the U.S. dollar's dominance of the global petroleum market and boost the standing of China's currency. In recent years, the Chinese regime has already been executing its ambition to topple the U.S. dollar and internationalize the yuan. It's been promoting the use of its digital currency among countries involved in the CCP's belt and road initiatives, as well as settling more trades with countries like Russia or Iran with its renminbi instead of U.S. dollars. But some experts argue there's no need to worry too much yet. Senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute Derek Scissors told NTD Business that even if Saudi Arabia goes ahead with the plan... I don't think this is going to happen in a very dramatic fashion
5: I think both sides will want to experiment say let's try five percent of the
7: payments are in one or if, if we're already at three or four percent it goes up to 10 percent something like that to test out the effects. Um, certainly would make it easier for China. The
11: losses on the Saudi side. The Chinese regime's strict capital control is one major factor to consider. China doesn't allow the wand to move freely so Saudi Arabia would be taking in a currency that it cannot use as freely as the US dollar. There'll be some give and take between the two. The Chinese regime has been trying hard to court Saudi Arabia lately. It's reportedly helping the Middle Eastern country build its own ballistic missile. That's on top of pouring investment funding into the country and consulting on its nuclear project. The Saudis have invited Chinese Communist Party leader Xi Jinping to visit the country later this year. The U.S.-Saudi relationship has worsened in recent years. Saudi Arabia watched with concern when the U.S. withdrew from Afghanistan, was angered when Washington rejoined the Iran nuclear negotiation, and now may be holding a grudge over a comment President Biden made during his presidential campaign. Biden had called Saudi Arabia a pariah for the assassination of a dissident journalist.
0: As art institutions cut ties with Russia, several orchestras are canceling Russian composers from their lineups. NTD's Jane Werrell speaks to economist Len Shackleton about whether such moves will actually have an impact on Moscow.
19: Cardiff Philharmonic Orchestra decided to cancel Tchaikovsky's 1812 Overture this month, saying it was an inappropriate time. It said one of its members is from Ukraine and that it's understood that some of the composer's works could be offensive to Ukrainians. While it's a one-off move, the move has been criticised by some over what effect it may actually have. Orchestras in Switzerland and Japan are also reported to have changed their playlists.
1: What did you think of that?
2: I think this is a kind of performative uh, gesture, which a lot of people engage in these days, not necessarily just in relation to Ukraine, but uh, to a lot of things. Um, it, it is a gesture, maybe makes people feel a bit happier about what they're doing, but it obviously has no impact whatsoever on the uh, on, on the workings of the Putin government.
19: And in terms of the, the cultural boycotts that have been popping up, do you think um,
6: they can be? Effective in some ways.
2: Well, clearly, um, if you are a uh, a Russian composer or a Russian playwright or a Russian filmmaker or a Russian ballet dancer, um, they are a way of making you aware that your government is not the most popular thing, and in that sense, it may have some long-term impact on um, the way in which people think about uh, the outside world. There is a danger, of course, in in cutting Russia off. And uh, we've we've seen uh, amongst these sanctions, things like um, Coca-Cola closing down in Russia, uh, McDonald's closing down uh, and so on. And cutting uh, Russian consumers and the general Russian public off from Western connections um, I'm not sure makes a great deal of sense in the long run. It's, it's an important gesture at the moment, um, but I hope that uh, you know we, we all hope that uh, the, the Ukraine situation is satisfactorily resolved over the next few weeks and months. And I hope that when we do that, we go back to telling the Russian people that we're their friends. We're not their you know we're not their enemies. Uh, well, our, our beef is really with the Russian government, uh, as indeed is there many uh, Russian citizens.
0: Tens of thousands of Japanese households remained without power on Thursday morning after a magnitude 7.4 quake. It struck shortly before midnight and killed four people.
19: The walls trembled in Fukushima as Japan was hit by a powerful earthquake overnight. The magnitude 7.4 tremor struck on Wednesday night, killing four people and injuring dozens more. Large parts of northeastern Japan were thrown into darkness when the quake struck, and tens of thousands of households were still without power on Thursday morning. More than 4,000 homes had no water, with residents of one Fukushima city forming a long queue to fill up plastic tanks with water. Key transportation links were also severed. Aerial footage showed a bullet train derailed on a bridge. According to public broadcaster NHK, 16 of the 17 cars had jumped the track, but no passengers were hurt. Initially, tsunami warnings were issued, but those have since been lifted. The earthquake struck the same region where a major tremor triggered the Fukushima nuclear disaster 11 years ago. Events to commemorate the disaster were held across the country less than a week ago. Residents of Tokyo said the memories
4: were still raw. I really feel bad for the people in Fukushima. This comes just when they are starting to forget about the 2011 disaster. When I saw the Pacific Ocean side around the Tohoku region, colored yellow to indicate a tsunami warning, I thought, not again.
17: Back then, I mean, the earthquake last night shook stronger than that 2011 earthquake, but I had this hope that the damage wouldn't be as bad.
19: No abnormalities were reported at any nuclear power plants after Wednesday's quake. Prime Minister Fumio Kishida said that the government would be on high alert for the possibility of further strong tremors over the next three days.
0: Coming up, Ireland celebrates St. Patrick's Day with a massive parade in Dublin and crowds of up to 400,000 people. And the new Miss World is crowned, beating 97 candidates from around the globe. We'll hear more about that later after the break. Ukraine's neighbors have taken in over 3 million refugees, according to UN estimates. Supplying their basic needs requires a lot of funding and it's becoming a challenge. Chicago restaurants came up with a first of its kind event to help out. NTD's Colin Fredrickson has the story.
3: Over 70 chefs and 1,600 guests packed Chicago's Navy Pier ballroom with food and generosity Wednesday evening. Their goal was to raise funds to feed Ukrainian refugees. So I emailed about
6: 30 chefs I have in my phone and I Said, "Hey guys,
3: let's do an event for the people of Ukraine. I'll do all the legwork, but let's do it together." Everybody said yes. Stara Stegner, a chef with two James Beard Awards, said the support from Chicago restaurants was overwhelming.
14: We've got Demera, which is an Ethiopian restaurant. We've got Karina Habidian, which is the Brondi which is a really high-end restaurant. Lee Wolin, the Boca Group, Paul Cahan from One-Off Hospitality, Stephanie Izard has a representation here. Really chefs from all over the Chicago city.
3: Publicizing the event in such a short time was no small feat.
7: We did contact all of our customers and ask them if they want to come over. Some of them can some of they just like, I will write a check and help them with whatever I can.
3: Mark Shulman, the president of Eli's Cheesecake Company, thought the event was remarkable.
8: We're so excited to support Chefs for Ukraine and uh, to come together with other hospitality people and to have an event in Navy Pier, which is just so historic, is very meaningful.
3: Shulman's wife, Maureen, shared the ingredients of their Ukrainian-inspired cheesecake.
8: The Kiev cake is a meringue and nut cake.
0: So we have meringue in our cheesecake tonight, our original plain cheesecake, and we have nuts on it.
3: From cheesecake to lemon mousse to ceviche, all you can eat, the guests complimented the chef's talents.
11: The pastries are amazing, but I had a meatballs, um, I've had pizza, I've had ceviche, because I'm Hispanic,
6: so I like ceviche, and it's been
0: so good.
6: I've had some delicious um, deep dish pizza, which had so much uh, flavor, it was amazing.
3: And thank you chefs. Thank you for making this a special event.
1: And hopefully they'll raise a lot of money.
3: Anatoly Kamara, a renowned Ukrainian born painter living in Chicago, has a son in Ukraine and other family members in refuge. He is worried but touched by the generosity of the Chicago people. He donated his paintings for the event's silent auction.
6: I believe in free Ukraine and I believe you are the hero.
2: This is why I'm painting.
3: (laughs) Donations will go to World Central Kitchen, a nonprofit organization with staff serving meals to Ukraine's refugees on the ground. Colin Fredrickson, NTD News.
0: St. Patrick's Day celebrations took place across Ireland today. Massive crowds watched Dublin's famous parade after COVID-19 led to events being canceled over the last two years.
6: Cities, towns and villages across Ireland are celebrating the festival. The streets of Dublin became a sea of green with 400,000 people expected at the traditional parade in Dublin, and many more watching it live on TV. Dressed in a green tweed suit from a famed Dublin store, Hollywood actor John C. Riley was parade guest of honour. The Irish-American star said it was a great opportunity to spread joy during a difficult time in the world. Olympic boxer Kelly Harrington and Paralympic swimmer Ellen Keane were the grand marshals.
0: The month's delayed Miss World 2021 came to a close this week in San Juan, Puerto Rico. Forty semi-finalists took the stage at the Coca-Cola Concert Hall. Who's the winner of the 70th Miss World pageant? And the winner of miss world
19: is poland
0: yes the new miss world is Karlina bilowska from poland she beat 97 candidates to become the second polish beauty queen in almost three decades The first and second runners-up hailed respectively from the United States and the Ivory Coast. Miss World 2019 Tony Anseng passed the crown to Bilovska. Now 23, the new Miss World has a bachelor's degree in management and is now pursuing her master's degree in business. She hopes to become a television host and motivational speaker in the future. Her modeling career began when she was 14 after she won second place in the Elite Model Look competition. Since then, she has signed with different agencies, and has, as her career grows, she's also showing a passion for charity work, currently running a project that provides help to homeless people in Poland. And that's all for today's news. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Stephanie Cox.